pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Prolotherapy helps stimulate the healing of chronically injured ligaments and tendons. It reduces pain and may even regenerate new tissue. It's becoming a valuable choice for managing and treating musculoskeletal conditions. Dr. Jeffrey Patterson is one of the country's leading experts on prolotherapy. He's a family practice doctor at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. He'll discuss how prolotherapy can help treat conditions like whiplash, knee pain, and spinal pain. Joining the discussion will be Troy Tauzy, who suffered from shoulder dislocations since he was nine years old. His condition became worse in his adult years, to the point where he could barely raise his right arm above his head. The outlook for Troy, even with surgery, was pretty grim, until he found prolotherapy and decided to give it a try. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endopharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. Follow us on Twitter at drpaulcristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. That's paulcristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Troy Tazzy has had shoulder dislocation since he was nine years of age. He was unable to lift his right arm and couldn't sleep well. He was told by his orthopedist that he had bone on bone in the shoulder and needed surgery. But prolotherapy changed all that, and we'll find out how. Troy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks. Take us back to when you were nine years old. What was happening to your shoulders at that time? Well, my first memory of my shoulder popping out was in gym class, falling down, playing basketball and landing on my arm and my shoulder slipping in the socket, being very painful. And it continued to get worse as I was younger. I'd wake up in the nighttime with my shoulders slipped out and my parents would have to help me get them back in. Both shoulders? Both shoulders. That just continued on as I got older and through college. And I eventually developed sort of a subconscious ability to keep my arms from going in a position that where they could slide out. But uh, And Troy, why was this happening to your shoulders? Early on, I, we went to an orthopedic surgeon. You know, he called it subluxation, loose ligaments and tendons just allowing the joint to slip around. I guess I was born with it. How intense was the pain when your shoulders would sublux or dislocate? It was very intense. It, it, you know, it hurt a lot. And then after getting it back in, um, you know, the pain would subside, but then it would be sore for, you know, a couple of days. You know, I, I just kind of lived with it. And in, in high school and football, I, um, I wore a 
brace on the one shoulder that was weaker that was essentially a strap around my arm and a strap around my chest with a string between them to keep my arm from going in the wrong position. But Troy, it's a, it's remarkable that you were able to play football. I mean, I think many would be afraid to play high-impact sports, and, I, and I'm wondering whether the orthopedist at that time sort of said, hey, look, uh, stay away from these high-impact sports. Yeah, I didn't go to the doctors that much when I was a kid. The first doctor told me that um, I'd have to come in with the shoulder popped out to be able, so they could see what direction it was going so they could do something about it, and that didn't seem like a realistic option. Were there things that in time you couldn't do or you dared not try to do? It got to the point where, you know, doing push-ups if in an extended position, my shoulders would just start slipping just from the weight of my body on, on push-ups. So like, you know, I couldn't do a bench press. And with my right arm, it got to the point where I just couldn't reach above my head very well at all. Sleeping was difficult. I couldn't sleep on that shoulder because just the pressure hurt. But then sleeping on the opposite shoulder, just the weight of my arm hanging off of my body sideways got sore after a while. So I was pretty much limited to just sleeping on my back. Yeah, that must have been tough. You know, a lot of patients with chronic pain say that their sleep is disrupted quite a bit. Troy, how did your family deal with your shoulder pain and the limitations that it caused? My kids, I think, are oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, but um, my wife has, you know, her comment is always, well, you got to get that fixed and or do something about it. My wife's a yoga instructor, and so she would push me to try and do some things. But frankly, a lot of the positions put you in a position where you're you got a lot of weight on your arms, and it just didn't work for me. So I didn't do a lot of the things that might help strengthen the area. Troy, what type of specialist did you end up seeing? I went to one orthopedic surgeon who took an X-ray and of my right shoulder. And uh, he said, you know, he said, well, there's no cartilage left in there. You're bone on bone. And, you know, surprised I haven't seen you earlier. He pretty much immediately recommended reconstructive surgery with the putting a steel ball in the humerus and et cetera, et cetera. You mean a shoulder replacement? Shoulder replacement, yeah. So I went and got a second opinion from another orthopedic surgeon. And he agreed that I was probably going to need that surgery someday. But he also said that in someone my age, he just doesn't recommend it. Wait until you absolutely can't handle the pain any longer. When we come back, we'll talk to Troy about what the orthopedist did recommend he do to handle the pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back. Troy, what kind of treatments did the orthopedist recommend to help reduce your shoulder pain? He really didn't offer me any options beyond waiting and dealing with pain until I had to do the surgery. Given that you had severe degeneration of the shoulder joint and pain and, and really very few options, how did you decide to seek out prolotherapy? My wife sort of discovered um, through talking to some friends who'd had, had it done. So she pushed me to, to investigate it and give it a try. And Were you skeptical? Very skeptical. I'm, you know, my, my wife is more the, you know, the new age yoga instructor kind of person into homeopathy and things like that. And I'm generally more more into the the more accepted mainstream things, I guess. I kept looking around and I I found this study being done at the University of Wisconsin on knees 
and I was at the medical school, which kind of made, gave it a little bit more, you know, credence to me. And uh, so I found Dr. Patterson. Describe your first visit with Dr. Patterson then. What, what did he do? Um, well, the, the first time was just a consultation. We didn't actually do any treatments. And, you know, he said, um, he said, well, you know, I'm not going to grow you a new shoulder, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, he said he thinks we, he could probably have a considerable reduction in pain. And, and for me, um, any reduction in pain would be an improvement. So it sounded like something worth trying. It wasn't super expensive. So how many sessions have you had and what is each prolotherapy injection like? I've had six treatments. He prepares a bunch of different injections. Um, there's dextrose and cod liver oil. Then he has me lie down on the table and first he, he injects a little bit of anesthetic to numb the skin a little bit and then he starts injecting in all these different areas around my shoulder. I, I'm guessing I probably end up with somewhere around 20-25 injections in a treatment. Does Dr. Patterson also inject into the shoulder joint? Um, he does one into the shoulder joint, one big one at the end where I think he's said he's injecting dextrose into that one. Troy, are the injections painful? The anesthetic at the beginning helps a lot, I think. Um, I don't feel the needle go in, um, but there's a pressure feeling that is uncomfortable and, you know, and every once in a while during the process, there's a little more pain than others. After the treatment, I'm usually really sore for a day and a half or so, and then I'm okay. Prolotherapy injections in general aren't covered by insurance. So about how much were they for you? For me, it's uh, $200 per session. Oh, and did you have any side effects? And about how many more injections of prolotherapy are you planning? No, no side effects. The original plan was at the very first consultation, you know, we'd try five or six, see how, how it went, and then make a decision whether to continue or not. Since I've had decent success and feel pretty good about it, I'll probably continue a couple more treatments on my right shoulder. Um, and then I want to move on to my left shoulder and see if I can improve that too. Speaking of success, what kind of results have you had so far? Yeah, even after the first treatment, I noticed that sleeping wasn't as uncomfortable. Wow, that's great. I'll reach above my head with my right arm to you know, change a light bulb or something like that where um, before I wouldn't have done that. Uh -huh. After the third injection, I felt like I was pretty convinced that this was actually working. But before we close, would you recommend prolotherapy to somebody else? And what's your outlook for the future? I would. I wouldn't tell them that it, you know, that it's fun. It's, it's definitely painful getting the treatments. The day before I go down for a treatment, I start feeling sort of like phantom pain, you know, getting that feeling in your stomach of, oh, I'm not ready for this again. It was really bad before. And if this will help me maintain or even make it better than it is now, then, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to do it. Wow, Troy, I'm really glad to hear that you're doing so well. And I want to thank you for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Sure, my pleasure. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Jeffrey Patterson, one of the country's leading experts on prolotherapy. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies, dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. 
That's paulchristomd.com. Dr. Jeffrey Patterson is a family practice doctor at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. He's also one of the country's leading experts on prolotherapy. Dr. Patterson, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. I mean, is it true that Hippocrates was the first practitioner of prolotherapy? Uh, It's possible. The story is that uh, they had soldiers who had dislocated shoulders, and so they would put hot silver wires uh, in the shoulder, and that created scar tissue to scar down the shoulder to keep it from dislocating. Wow. You know, the word prolotherapy is derived from proliferation. What's going on in the human body during prolotherapy? I think the initial uh, prolotherapy or sclerotherapy originally was known probably did cause scarring, but I think the current uh, solutions that we use, uh, largely dextrose and some other solutions or sugar water, really don't cause scarring, but actually cause uh, healing of the collagen fibers. Collagen fibers are normally parallel so they transmit forces from the uh, the muscles to the bone and bone to bone. And in injury, like tennis elbow, they become jumbled and not uh, parallel any longer, so they don't transmit the force, and nerves actually uh, function much differently. So by doing the prolotherapy, we're forcing the body to bring fibroblasts in, which lay down new collagen in a parallel formation that actually heals the tissue, strengthens that ligament-bone junction where the ligaments join the bone so that they can, again, function normally and transmit the forces normally. And this reduces pain. Exactly. You know, my understanding is that prolotherapy really is the injection of different chemicals that will cause a controlled inflammatory response, eventually causing collagen growth and then tissue repair. That's exactly right. We're, uh, in essence, mimicking the normal healing process. We don't have a lot of human tissue uh, uh, experience in this area, uh, but we certainly have a lot of good clinical experience and some excellent, robust, uh, double-blind clinical studies now that uh, show that this does work. And Jeff, it seems like uh, prolotherapy would work best uh, or, or would be best recommended for chronic musculoskeletal conditions. That's exactly right. We're looking at uh, chronic myofascial pain, uh, which is the majority of things that that people have. And that includes things like osteoarthritis of the knee, which is wear and tear, things like tennis elbow, that lateral epicondylosis rather than itis. It's not an inflammatory condition after the first 10 days or so, but rather a lack of normal healing in the area. And so, again, we're just encouraging the body to uh, heal itself in the way that it should have done in the first place. Is there evidence that prolotherapy actually regenerates new tissue? We have some good evidence now from ultrasound uh, work uh, looking at uh, knees, healing of menisci in knees, and healing of medial collateral ligaments that hold the meniscus in place. Uh, And we have excellent ultrasound studies that show uh, healing of that tissue with progressive prolotherapy. You know, Jeff, given that prolotherapy may actually regenerate new tissue, I'm wondering whether it might cause exceptionally strong tendons or ligaments, and in fact, whether this might be a form of strength enhancement someday for athletes. Uh, I'm certainly not moving into that area with it because uh, I've got enough business treating just the uh, chronic pain that's already come along rather than trying to uh, enhance things to begin with. So I'll leave that to others. (laughs) When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Patterson about what solutions are actually injected during prolotherapy sessions. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. 
Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. And we're back. Jeff, tell us what kind of solutions are injected around or into ligaments and tendons during prolotherapy sessions? The original solutions that were used back in the 30s were very strong irritants, a um, solution of quinine and other things, and many of those we don't use anymore. The most common solution that used in, is used in prolotherapy is dextrose or sugar water. Uh, it's very cheap. It's very gentle, and most of the time people tolerate it very well. Then beyond that, there are other solutions like uh, sodium morioate, which is cod liver oil. And uh, this solution is very rich in arachidonic acid. Arachidonic acid is released from cells when cells are broken and is a direct chemotactic agent for those fibroblasts that we talked about that cause healing. Now that we have an understanding of what's being injected, will you take us through a typical session of prolotherapy injections? We've just recently completed completed three large NIH-funded knee studies here at the University of Wisconsin, which looked very good. One was double-blind. patient comes in, and in our studies, they were patients with chronic pain, knee pain, at least six months. Most of them were two to three years of pain with x-ray findings of osteoarthritis on their knees. So the patient is uh, prepped, and then uh, by careful palpation of the knee, we determine the areas of ligamentous damage because when you press on a ligament that's damaged, such as uh, tennis elbow or lateral epicondylosis, it hurts. And uh, normally, it shouldn't hurt. Uh, so by doing this, we can determine the areas of ligamentous damage that need to be treated. Uh, then I'll numb the skin, uh, putting small wheels of xylocaine or numbing medicine in the skin uh, to make the injections uh, more tolerable. And then I proceed with uh, injections right down on the bone into all of the ligamentous attachments in a pet fashion, almost like spot welding. So it's many tiny injections uh, throughout the ligamentous area, the whole medial side of the knee, the connections of the meniscus to the knee, uh, and then the lateral side of the knee, and then a, a joint injection inside the joint to tighten the capsule, which is ligamentous tissue of the knee as well. When new ligament growth then is induced, how does that compare with the original? I mean, is it, is it stronger or or somewhat weaker? That's a very good question. I don't know that we have the answer to that experimentally. Uh, on a clinical basis, uh, patients report that their pain goes away and their joint feels very stable. Dr. Patterson, what qualifies somebody as a good candidate for prolotherapy? We're looking at uh, people with chronic myofascial pain from accidents, falls, the tennis elbow that we've talked about, uh, knee osteoarthritis. And I see people with knee pain where, you know, they just can't climb the stairs right, their knees swell a little bit, uh, all the way to people with bone on bone. And for some reason, they can't get a joint replacement or don't want one, they have medical contraindications, etc. And uh, even with that much damage, I'm surprised quite often at the pain relief that people get. Obviously, I'm not building them a new knee, but they get pain relief. And for many people, that's what they're after. Exactly. What's the typical course of treatment? In other words, how many injections are given over 
over what period of time, and then how much does it cost given that insurance and Medicare typically doesn't cover the cost? When I start with uh, prolotherapy, I ask the patient to give me at least three tries with this. I do injections generally every four to six weeks. That allows people to heal, to see uh, how they're doing, uh, allows the acute inflammation of the injection uh, to go away because people are sore, more sore because we're creating inflammation by doing this. Usually more sore for two or three days with stiffness and soreness, and that can be fairly bad, but most of the time it's uh, more, again, stiffness and soreness. Then uh, they gradually get better. And certainly by uh, the third time that we're doing this, people know whether they're getting better or not. In our practice, we charge by by the area that we inject. So that ranges from a little over $200 up to $600. And I think that uh, varies depending on the practitioner. Jeff, as we look toward the future, do you feel that prolotherapy could be considered as an alternative to joint replacements? And then what are some cutting-edge uses of prolotherapy? I don't think prolotherapy is going to replace surgery, and I, I don't think orthopedic surgeons are going to go out of business here. <laughs> Again, I see people with severe hip degeneration, severe knee degeneration, bone on bone. I'm frequently quite pleasantly surprised, as are the patients, about how their pain gets much better with prolotherapy. Then I think the whole area of uh, platelet-rich plasma and stem cells is uh, very promising. Traditional prolotherapy is going to remain much cheaper and uh, much easier to do, but all of this is going to, I think, pull together to really be in the forefront of the treatment of chronic musculoskeletal pain. Yeah, you know, it seems like the science behind prolotherapy has strengthened and more and more people are doing it. Dr. Patterson, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endopharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Mavis from Delaware writes, Are there any new cutting-edge therapies for back and disc pain? Mavis, prosthetic disc replacements are available for low back pain and degenerative discs today. Interestingly, a recent study comparing disc replacement to rehabilitation found that at two years, there was a small benefit in the surgical group, which is the group that had the disc replacement, but that difference didn't reach clinical importance. Some have advocated that the non-surgical approach is less expensive, safer, and less disruptive than surgery. But if you have herniated discs or spinal narrowing that compress nerves or the spinal cord, Spinal surgery may indeed be helpful depending on your symptoms. And here's a question from Laverne in Bowling Green, Kentucky. If breast cancer spreads to bone or other organs and the pain becomes intolerable, what options are there? Laverne, intrathecal pumps are one of the better options for patients with cancer pain who aren't getting enough relief from medicines by mouth or even intravenously. These are small hockey puck-shaped devices, which is the pump, that contain a medicine like morphine that delivers small doses to the fluid-containing space surrounding the the spinal cord, which is called the intrathecal space. The morphine or other drug is delivered in very small doses to the spinal cord and binds to certain parts of the cord to provide relief. The hockey puck-shaped device is implanted under the skin in the abdomen, and a thin tube is surgically placed from the pump to the spinal area. 
Everything is surgically implanted. The advantage relates to better pain relief with fewer side effects than oral or IV or even intramuscular routes of taking medicines. In one research study, some patients that had the pump implanted for cancer pain even lived longer. Researchers thought that this occurred because patients were more interested in eating, moving around, and had a greater will to live due to better pain control. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.